Hi there, welcome to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at southsidesbc.org, or you can go to our Facebook page. If you'd like to connect with us, you can send us an email at info at southsidesbc.org. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please go on to your podcast platform and leave us a positive review to help others find our content more easily. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Amen. It's good to see all of you guys. And uh, if you're joining us online, we want to welcome you as well. Uh, We hope that you won't stay online, but you'll find your way here in person. We would love to see you and um, be able to, if we haven't met you or if we know you, to fellowship with you. Um, Church, uh, it's good to be able to, 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 to keep connected when we're sick and when we're at home, but nothing can replace um, the fellowship and uh, the encouragement and the iron sharpening iron of believers being together. Amen? Amen. So we invite you to, to, to take that next step and to come and join us here. Well, this morning we are um, continuing... Um, in the series that we're in um, on holiness, learning what holiness is, learning what biblical separation is. And we've been talking about how to live in the world, but not be of it. And I believe um, the danger for us as Christians is, um, and we've talked a little bit about this, we'll talk more about this next week, But God, uh, as he calls us to salvation and to trust him as Lord and Savior, and we're called to be separate from the world, that separation from the world doesn't mean isolation. And so we are, um, yes, to be separate from sin and from from all the uh, uh, parts of sin and anything to do with sin, we are to be separate from, but we also have to live in this world in which we're in, amen? Amen. And the danger in that is us becoming too much like that world in which we live. Let me give you an example. Jim was a Christian businessman who did well at the company that he worked for. In fact, he did so well at the company that he worked for that he finally decided to go off on his own and start his own business. His situation, uh, situation was a great opportunity for him. He couldn't, um, couldn't pass it up. And so he started his own business and his business began to take off. He began to make lots of money and he got caught up in that. He threw himself into his business with great vigor, working upwards of 12 to 14 hours a day. Now, because he wanted to make sure his business was successful, he felt that he had to drop the Sunday school class that he had been teaching because he didn't have time to prepare. Of course, in his mind, he said that it was just for a time and that he would pick that back up when more time became available. He wanted to be conscientious, so he, he, he could devoted more time to his business. Next thing he knew, he could only make it to Sunday morning worship service, and it wasn't long before he wasn't even very faithful in that. His business made many demands on him. He often felt like he had to play golf with his clients on Sunday morning or had to go out of town. Soon, things began to even change at home. His attitude toward his wife and children began to change. He began to become indifferent towards them. He had less time to spend with them. His wife, as in the best way she could, began to question what he was doing. 
But Jim just got angry and bitter at her. When she talked about going to church, he became critical of the church and eventually stopped going at all. When his wife again gently challenged what he was doing, he said, they're just a bunch of hypocrites down there. They don't know what's going on in the world. There's nothing more I can learn from there. Friends, what happened to Jim? Jim had been taken hostage by the world. Some people use the term worldly Christian to describe a Christian who finds themselves wrapped up in the ways of the world. But if you really think about it, the term worldly Christian is a misnomer. Amen? It's a contradiction of terms because we can't be, and what we're going to talk about this morning is both a Christian and worldly at the same time. Billy Sunday, remember the evangelist from years, uh, years ago, uh, Billy Sunday used to make fun of the term worldly Christian. Uh, he said this, he said, why to talk about a worldly Christian makes about as much sense as talking about a heavenly devil. He went on to say, when you see a person who claims to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and yet their lifestyle resembles the world more than it resembles the lifestyle of a believer, then there's reason to question whether or not that person has really been saved. Friends, we as Christians are not supposed to be worldly. Amen? We are supposed to be, as we've been talking about, different from the world around us. We are supposed to be separate from sin and separate from the ways of the world and set apart unto the Lord. Amen? And we've been talking about that the last couple weeks. That's what holiness is. That's what it means. That's what biblical separation is all about. So the question becomes, how do we do that? How can we be holy? How can we avoid becoming too much like the world? And how can we remain different from the world? Well, I believe John gives us the key to that here in our text today. I want you to look at just the first part of verse 15 at what it says here. Verse, 10, verse 15, it says this. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. That's pretty straightforward, right? Don't love the world, the things in the world. Be careful what you love. And in, in some sense, it is very straightforward. But, you know, you may be thinking and maybe we think, why not? What's wrong with the world? What's wrong? Uh, what are we not to love about the world? And, Pastor, I thought that the Bible said that God loves the world. Friends, those are great questions. And in our text today, John goes on to answer the why. He tells us what we need to do. Don't love the world or the things in the world. And he goes on to explain why. This is what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, if you've got your outline, number one, why should we not love the world? Number one, friends, we should not love the world simply because the love for the world is incompatible with love for God. Love for the world is incompatible. You know, if I could draw a big circle and put one of those slashes through it, I would do that, right? It is incompatible with love for God. Here's what we try to do. Friends, we think that we can take and we can love the things of God and the things of the world at the same time. We, we try to take a little bit of love for God and a little bit of love for the world, and we try to mix them in our lives, and we think that that will work. Here's the problem. Have you ever tried to mix oil and water together? 
Doesn't, doesn't work, right? You know, I don't know, I, I don't think it's oil and water, but you know, anytime I go to an Italian restaurant, so, you know, get some Italian dressing, you know, you shake that up and you, you try to get it all mixed up, but you let it sit there, what's going to happen to it? It just, it separates. Well, friends, that's kind of what John is talking about here. Look at what he says here in verse 15. After he says, do not love the world or the things in the world, he says this, he said, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, that's a pretty stark statement, amen? Simply put, love for the world and love of the Father, or we could say for the Father. Um, listen, we, in other words, I believe he's saying, you know, if, if we love the world and that's where our heart is, then our heart is not with God. And, and we, if we think we're saved, maybe we need to examine that. Because those two are incompatible. You can't do both. Look at what he says in verse 16, and we'll, we'll come back to this a little more later. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So what, you see, what we see here is that John is saying, do not love the world. Why? Because it is love for the world is incompatible with love for the Father. We can't mix those two. And I believe one of the big problems in Christianity in the United States of America today is that. We think and we try to mix love for the world and we think we can love God too. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, I want you to look at this with me on the screen. Jesus says this, no one can serve what? Two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, or money, wealth. What's he talking about there? He's talking about worldliness. You can't serve both. They are incompatible. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, as we talked about a little earlier, we have to live in the world, right? Um, uh, we have to participate in the world simply because we live in it. And so we can't take ourselves physically out of the world. Um, listen, I know, I don't know if you're like this, the older I get, uh, the more I look forward to heaven. You know, I think that's what God wants from us, right? Uh, the more we realize that this world doesn't have everything that we thought it has and the promises of this world are always um, empty, and so we begin to long for heaven more and more, friends. But in the meantime, until Jesus takes me home, we have to live in this world. Amen? And so uh, we can't take ourselves out of the world. So, And that's not what Jesus is saying. He doesn't expect us to isolate or take ourselves out of the world. I believe what John is talking about here, and I think it's pretty clear, is what do we love? Where, where do we place our supreme devotion? Where do, what do you set your heart on? Um, he's talking about where we place our desires, where we, where, where, where we place our affection on what, what do we, on what do we rest our hopes and dreams? What can you not live without? I've got to have my, and can I just confess, this is hard, amen, for us in America. We are bombarded with, with materialism and we're bombarded with, as we'll talk about here more, we're just bombarded all the time with, with appeals to our, to, to our flesh and to all these desires that we have. And, and so it, it is a hard thing. Friends, what we need to realize is that we cannot love both God and the world. They are incompatible. As I said a minute ago, but pastor, I thought we were supposed to love the world. Doesn't God say for God so love the world? How can God love the world, yet we're not supposed to? 
I think the key to understanding that is understanding the word world and understanding what it means. Um, the Bible uses the word world in several different ways. Um, the word world is used 185 times in the New Testament. The Apostle John uses it 105 times himself. And in its use throughout the New Testament, it has three basic meanings. First of all, sometimes when the word world is used, it's talking about the physical world. It's talking about the created world, the earth, okay? Um, such as in Mark chapter 16, 15, when he says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Okay, he's talking more, go to the uttermost parts of the earth. He's talking about the physical world. Second, um, when the word world is used, sometimes it can refer to humanity, such as in John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world. It's not talking about the physical world there, even though I'm sure God loves the world he created, the physical world. Um, it's not talking there about the philosophy of the world, of course not. God doesn't love that. We see here that God hates that. It's talking about the people of the world, humanity in general. But the third way that the world is used, the word world is used in the New Testament is when it refers to the world system or the philosophy of the world, which we might term worldliness. I love uh, the way author David Wells defines this. He defines worldliness in this way. He says, worldliness or the world in that sense, the philosophy of the world, is that system of values in any given age which has at its center our fallen human perspective, which displaces God and his truth from the world and which makes sin look normal and righteousness seem strange. It thus gives great plausibility to what is morally wrong, and for that reason makes what is wrong seem right and normal. Friends, I believe that's what John means here um, when he's talking about the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, he could be referring there some to the physical world, but look at what he says next. He says, if anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. So he's not just talking about the physical world. He's talking about something more. And so he's talking about this world system. It is the very philosophy that seeks to leave God out of everything. To say, I don't need God. It is, I think we can say, that philosophy that is driven by Satan himself. Amen? That says, I can find satisfaction and fulfillment in other things other than God. Um, Chuck Swindoll defines uh, worldliness in his book, Living Above the, Medi the Level of Mediocrity. He writes this, he says, the worldliness or the world system is committed to at least four major objectives, he says, which he can, he can summarize in four words, fortune, fame, power, and pleasure. Now, John summarizes those in three phrases in verse 16, but I want to show you what we're, what we're talking about here. First of all, uh, the world system or philosophy uh, encompasses fortune, right? Money, that pursuit of the almighty dollar. 
The world system is driven by money and it feeds on materialism, friends. This is what John calls the lust of the eyes. Things that we want. I want this, I want that, I want this. Ooh, that's new and shiny. Ooh, 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 bells and whistles. Ah, right? We want that and we gotta have money to have that. And so I have more money, I get more stuff and I collect more things and those things appeal to us. Second is fame, he says. It's another word for popularity. Fame is the longing to be known, to be somebody in someone else's eyes. So if we are worldly, not only do we seek after fortune, but we also seek after sometimes fame. In other words, we want to be known. Can I just say, isn't that what the internet's all about right now? You know, social media, you know, ooh, look at me, ooh, look at me, look at me, look at me, I can do this, I can do that, blah, 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 right? And that is nothing more than the pride of life. What John talks about here in verse 16. Next, friends, he says is power. This is having influence, maintaining control over individuals or groups or companies or whatever. It is the desire to manipulate and maneuver others to do something for one's own benefit. Also falling into that category there, the pride of life. And fourth, he says is pleasure. At its basic level, level, pleasure has to do with fulfilling one's sensual desires. It's the same mindset that is behind the slogan, if it feels good, what? Do it. Excuse me. I shouldn't try to talk while I'm drinking water. That doesn't work. Let me do one at a time. Hold on. Friends, so what we see is that the world or worldliness, as John He's talking about here, and John speaks of, includes anything, I believe, that attaches itself with that philosophy of fame, fortune, power, or pleasure. Uh, it kind of summarizes what is meant for the, by the world, and love for that, love for the world is, say it with me, incompatible, say it, incompatible with love for God. Say it with me, love for the world is incompatible with love for God. I want you to look at what this verse says. James chapter 4, verse 4. It says this, adulterers and adulteresses. Anybody want to be called that? No. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? So why does James say that? He says that because if we're do- loving the world, then we're making those things an idol instead of God. And we are Adulterers and adulteresses. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Friends, those are stark words. The question is, so which do you love more? The world or the Lord? Or, because I think if we ask those two questions, everybody in here is going to say what? I love the Lord. I love the Lord Jesus, right? Or, have you been one of those folks who have tried to have a foot in both worlds? I can love God, but man, I love this. I love this too. Um, you claim to love the Lord, but you're more interested in golf or football or making money or social media or climbing the corporate ladder or your, just your own interests than you are the things of God. You go to church, but you also are involved in things you know you shouldn't be. Friends, let's just set our affections on the Lord. Amen? Set our love on the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And let him be what we pursue. Be careful what you love and the attachment that you have to those things. Number two, 
Friends, we need to not love the world, first of all, because the love of the world is incompatible with love for God. Number two is closely tied to number one. And that is this, friends. The second reason why we shouldn't love the world is because love for the world draws us away from God. It draws us away from God. Um, if you don't believe me, I want you to, I wasn't planning on doing this, but turn in your Bibles over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is, this is not on the screen. It's not going to be on the screen behind you. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 9 and 10. Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, right? And he's wrapping up his second letter to Timothy. And I just want you to see what he says here in verse 9 and 10. As he's wrapping this up, he says to Timothy, he says, Be diligent to come to me quickly. Why does he want Timothy to come? For what? Demas. That's a, what we learn is, okay, Paul's time out before we read anymore. Demas was a helper in the gospel back in the book of Acts, okay? Demas was, a, um, what, what was, was one who traveled with Paul and helped Paul plant churches and so forth. But look at what it says. For Demas has forsaken me. Wow. Look at what it says next. Why? Having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. So Demas was at one time a cohort with Paul, was helping Paul, and then what happened? The world drew him away from God. Friends, here's the thing. We think the world is harmless. We think we can dabble in it. We think we can love the Lord and love the world too. Friends, but we need to be careful. The things of the world will steal our affection away from the Lord. Look at verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay? So what he's saying is these things that, 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 that well up in, they're not of the Father. They are of the world. All that is in the world is pulling at our desires, friends, and it is drawing us away from God, not towards him. It's like a big magnet. Uh, if you can imagine this big magnet, okay, that is drawing everything. I know there have been several movies and so forth where, you know, the, 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 the criminal somehow has this big magnet and they're drawing all the metal and stuff to this magnet. You think of that, but you think of us being drawn to the world by everything that's out in the world and it's drawing us to the world and away from God. What we need to realize, friends, is that is the devil's plan. The devil's plan is to use all these things in the world to lure us away from the Lord. Think about it. First of all, he uses, as John says here in verse 16, the lust of the flesh, right? He uses the lust of the flesh, those things which appeal to our physical desires in an ungodly way. It brings to mind primarily sexual or sensual temptations, but it's not just limited to that. Is that a huge part of it? Absolutely. The desires, the lusts of the flesh um, uh, are a great pitfall for many. But I believe it's really anything that appeals to our fleshly nature. This can even include desires that are normal in and of themselves. Listen, sexual desires are normal, but they are to be fulfilled within the bounds of what? Marriage. And marriage alone and anything outside of that 
um, is is trying to seek fulfillment in a in a in, in a non God ordained way, and so uh, the, the, even n- normal desires, a desire for hunger, a desire for sleep, even a desire for comfort can can draw us into sin if we, and the devil wants to do that, right? He puts those things out there, you know? Hey, just stay in bed a little longer. You don't need to go to church today. It's the lust of the flesh. Friends, he also uses, what does it say next? The lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes, that which appeals to our eyes, that which looks good, that which is attractive to us, friends. A certain lifestyle, nice things, you know, can we admit that here in America, um, we like nice stuff, don't we? Um, we, we like stuff that is, that is new. We like, to, we not, we like our, our toys. Friends, boy, do we see advertisers go after this one. Amen? But it is a tool of the devil to draw us into worldliness and putting those things over God. Third, he uses the pride of life. He uses anything that appeals to our desire to be somebody. Um, And social media is killing that today. Uh, He uses anything that we can do. Listen, it's going to make you cool. It's going to make you somebody. You're going to, you need this because, because it's going to make you part of the in crowd or you need to do this to have a lot of friends or to be powerful or to be popular. Teenagers, young people, be extremely careful about this. Amen. The draw is there, and we got to do this because you know what? Other people are doing this, and so I want to fit in, and and friends, listen, it draws us into the world. Advertisers have used, learned to use all of these things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is advertising 101. They've used all these things to sell us everything from sports cars to hamburgers to insurance to (laughs) Band-Aids. So friends, Satan uses these things to draw us away from God. And so we think many times that Satan uses things that are, that are out there, but many times it's subtle stuff. There are subtle things that Satan does in drawing us away from God with worldliness. Should I go to, should I go to the Bible study tonight? My favorite TV show is on. Should I go, get up and go to church or should I sleep in this morning? Oh, it won't hurt if I sleep in just this one Sunday. Should I, should, I, should I take my check home to my family or should I go buy something for me? Should I, go, should I go gamble it? Friends, he draws us into sin real easy by appealing to our sinful desires. And the reality is, friends, that many of the things that he tempts us with don't look bad. Um, maybe, maybe it's not drugs, you know? Maybe it's, maybe it's not even something that looks bad. That it actually looks good, right? It doesn't look like it will harm us, but it will. That's the thing we need to realize. Even things that don't look like they will harm us may be harming our soul. Love for the world will draw us away from God. Why should we not love the world? Because love of the world is what? Incompatible with love for God. Second of all, because love for the world draws us away from from the Lord. It draws us away from him. And third, friends, it's because the world cannot and will not give us what will last. 
It cannot and will not give us what will last. I want you to look at John's last little argument here in verse 17. He says it very matter-of-factly. He says this, and the world is passing away and the lust of it. Now, I want you to notice he doesn't say, and the world is going to pass away, but it is passing away. As in, the world is already passing away. Friends, so everything in this world, everything that Satan is using to lure us away from God and to the world is either dying, decaying, rusting, breaking down, fleeting, rotting, decomposing, you name it. Amen? Everything in the world is passing away. So why would you grab onto those things? Let's think about this. Um, it's a dead-end road. Have you, ever been, have you ever tried to get somewhere and thought, you know what, um, I know where I'm going. I can find a shortcut. You ever, you ever done that? And then only in your means to try to find a shortcut, you find a dead end instead. <laughs> I've been there, done that. Here in South Bend, it's real easy to do that. There's several roads that you think, oh, well, I know. York is here and York is here, so let's go here. <laughs> no, no, no. Right? It doesn't go all the way through. It's a dead end. Friends, that's what pursuing things of the world is like. We think it's going to get us where we want to go, but it's a dead end road. Friends, we use certain terminology. We say things like, that's sure as the world. Well, friends, I've got news for you. If that's as sure as it is, it's not very sure. Because this verse says that the world is in the process of passing away. When you attach your life to this world, friends, you have attached your, yourself onto something that is dying, something that is passing away. John is saying that none of the things that this old world offers, whether it's physical, whether it is mental or emotional or psychological, none of the things that this world can give us apart from Christ can provide any satisfaction. Amen? Can fame, can fame provide satisfaction? You know what? I'm going to become famous and that will fulfill me. Guess what? They call it fleeting for a reason, right? They call it 15 minutes of fame for a reason because it doesn't last. You say, well, it lasts for some people. Lasts for Tom Brady. Really? I didn't mean to go there, but I think some of you know exactly what's not lasting for Tom Brady, okay? And even if he were to have the perfect life on this earth, if he doesn't know Jesus, it's not going to last forever. Fame is fleeting. How about riches? Guess what? You'll never see a U-Haul in the back of a hearse. Right? If you do, it's just taking it to his wife's house <laughs> because you can't take it with you. You could bury it in the ground, but it didn't go anywhere else. You will die one day, friends, and everything you will have accumulated here on this earth won't mean a hill of beans to you anymore. Uh, how about pleasure? Oh, pastor, I, I can, you know, that, that's really what we seek after in, in America, isn't it? You know, we want this because it brings us pleasure. We're going to do this because it's fun. We do this because it makes us happy. How many of you have found, you know what? Some of the most miserable people in the world are those who quote unquote have everything, who have money to do anything they want to do and have done anything you can do, friends. But pleasure is fleeting as well. And there's a price to pay for pleasure. 
There's pleasure in sin for a season. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There is pleasure in the world. But there's a hook in it. I'll come back to that in just a second. Friends, even things that are not wrong in and of themselves. Football. I love football. Facebook. Maybe you love Facebook. Maybe you love scrolling your phone. Camping. Maybe you love camping. Maybe it's shopping for you. Whatever it is, friends, even things that are not wrong in and of themselves can become wrong when? When they become a love that is greater than Jesus. When we love them more than the Lord, friends, and how do we tell that? How do we tell if I love this or not? When we pursue them more than the Lord. I'll be honest with you, I've had to check myself. You know, I love football. There's a couple of specific teams I like a whole lot, okay? But I've had to check myself many times when I found my life being too wrecked by a game being lost. I give you that as a very practical example. I think every one of us has an area in which we struggle in with this. What is yours? And what I want to challenge you with today, and when we end up here in a few moments, what I want to challenge you with is what decisions can you make Okay? I've made some very conscious decisions in relation to that and some other things in my life okay? um, to try to break my love for the world and increase my love for God. Let me challenge you. How about something simple? There are some things that I, a lot of times when I'm thinking about this, I'm saying, man, I really need such and such. So I could get this or this or this, you know, and, and maybe I turn out, well, you know, this thing that I, that I really want really would be the best thing. And so, but then I, I, I'm struggle with that. I'm saying, okay, does, I don't want to, I don't want to make that a thing, right? And so sometimes for me, it's delayed gratification. You know, I don't need it right now. I'm going to wait. Why? Because it's not that important. I'm not going to allow it to be that important in my life. I don't know what that might be for you, but what is it in your life that 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 wants to take the place of God, that wants to take your affections from Him, friends, but that you know you have a tendency to do that with, and so you need to make some decisions with that thing, that kind of, whatever it is, may not even be a thing, to not allow it to take precedence over Jesus in your life. Because, friends, all those things promise to fulfill. They promise to be pleasing. They promise to give us what they want, what we want, but what? They come up empty, right? It's, they have a hook in them. It's a trap. You know, the devil knows um, what kind of worm to put on the hook for you. And the, the worm that he puts on the hook for you is probably different than the worm that he puts on the hook for me or somebody else in here. And so he knows the hook worm to put on the hook for you. And so he does that. And so he can get you to bite, but yeah, just remember, friends, in the stuff with the world, there's always a hook in it. There's always a hook in it. The allurements and the attractions of this world are just a lure by Satan. And realize it, friends, when you see it, realize it. I mean, I, I want it. It looks so good and whatever, but it's just, it's just bait. And I know there's a hook in it. It's to trick us into going all in on the things of the world. Which verse 17 reminds us what? They are passing away. They won't last. I want you to think about this. The world always gives us the best first and then the worst last. Do you catch what I'm saying? 
The world always gives us the best first because we want this thing because it's, ooh, shiny and new, right? We want this just because it's new. We want this. Ooh, that attracts me. Listen, the best nice house, if it's not taken care of, will be a dilapidated house one day. Amen? Unless you continue to what? The, the nicest car, a, a new car will be a clunker one day. Now, I'm not saying that you can't get a new car, but be careful of the affections you put on that. I've told y'all this before. Some of you have been here long enough. Um, you know, every, uh, I, I don't get new cars anymore. When I was young, before I had a family, I could afford a new car. And uh, so I, that was one of my um, uh, that was one of my things, unfortunately. But God always had something he did was I always got that scratch or that ding pretty quickly. Amen? Right? You know what I'm talking about? You get that new car, and I, I backed into a big roll of wire one day with one thing. I'm like, dead gummit. Another time, something got scratched on a car. And you know what? Always, it's to remind me that it's just a thing and not to give it too much priority not to care about it more than we do the Lord. Friends, um, the pleasures of this world are temporary pleasures, and they will always, 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 always operate in the principle of diminishing returns. Promise great up front, right? But we'll only be satisfied for a time. It'll only be a short amount of time before you'll be wanting something else, and that will have lost its luster in your eyes. Remember that. Learn that. That's why a man or woman is a fool to drive the stakes of their life down into this old world. Because look at what verse 17 says. The world is what? Say it with me. Passing away and the lust of it. Right? The world is passing away and the lust of it. But look at the second part. What does the second part say? But he who does the will of God, what? Abides forever. Listen, it is, excuse me, only through faith in Christ. It is only by, by trusting in him and this wonderful grace and mercy that he poured out on the cross that we can be born again. We can come into a relationship with him. And as a result of that, we follow him. Amen. We trust him as our savior. We put him first. We love him and realize, no, no, no. I know there's these temptations here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the world have the world and the things of the world, and I'm going to set my affections on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I've got two little examples I want to show you this morning. I've got two things here. I've got in my left hand... Or I've got it in my right hand. Let's start there. I've got a Tootsie Roll Pop. Okay? Cherry. Maybe you don't like cherry. Maybe you like orange or grape. Love a grape Tootsie Roll Pop. Okay? I couldn't find a grape one, but love a grape Tootsie Roll Pop. Nothing better than a grape Tootsie Roll Pop, right? Am I making you want a grape Tootsie Roll Pop? All right? Um, so uh, uh, here I have a, a, a Tootsie Roll Pop. In my other hand... I have a diamond ring, real diamonds, okay? It's nothing too fancy. It was my mom's anniversary ring, um, but it is a real diamond ring. And so if, if okay, this is a big if, because this if ain't going to happen, okay? <laughs> but if, if I was to come to you and I were to offer you and say, I, was, I will give you one of these two things, which would you choose? 
Now, friends, we would be foolish, dumb, and I'm not even going to go into the other words that we might could say, we would be if we chose the Tootsie Roll Pop over the diamond ring, right? It would be foolish to do such. Friends, yet that is exactly what we often do. Why then do we so often choose the things of this world over the things of God, the things that last? Here's what I want you to do this morning, friends. I want to challenge you to examine your heart. I want to challenge you to examine your heart. Um, what's your thing? What's, what's, the, what's the bait that you know will get you, that will tempt you so, and maybe even has, has gotten you attached to some things in the world? What's that bait for you? Friends, what practical choice, what's something real practical you can do to help break the bonds of those things that may be drawing your affections? We don't want to become a Demas, amen? We don't want to let, we don't want to leave because, because the world has drawn us away. Friends, so what practical things can you do? How about a phone fast? <gasps> but pastor, I need my phone. I can't survive without it. I need it for work. I need it to, to, to check my friends. I challenge you. Put it down. We all could use that, right? Just do a phone fast. Break, break that bond a little bit, okay? Um, put it down at dinner time every night. Put it down for a whole day, okay? You can check your email on your computer at work. I don't know what it is for you. How about, I already mentioned this, how about delayed gratification, What's that one thing that you're like, man, as soon as I can save up enough money, I'm getting this. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Save up the money. Don't get it yet. Just, just don't. Don't let it have a hold over you. Um, how about when, 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 when the devil tempts you to watch the 15th show in that marathon of, of shows that you've been watching? <laughs> Shut it off. Open your Bible. I was trying to think of just some real practical ways that, that we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us break the bonds of worldliness in our lives. Friends, where's your affection? Where's your love? Listen, there's nothing greater that can happen to us than for us to be on the way to hell and to be grasped out of it and be put into heaven. Amen? But that's what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins so you don't have to. So you don't have to spend eternity separated from God in hell, but so you can be a part of his family and you can go to heaven when you die. That's great news. When we truly understand that, our love for him will just grow. Let your love for him grow. And anytime the devil tries to do something else with it, say, uh-uh, devil, here's where my affection is. Purpose in your heart today, not to love the world. Set, set, set aside, set apart the Lord Jesus in your hearts. Let's pray. Friend, if you're here today, watching online, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never turned from your sin and put your faith and trust in him, I want to invite you to do that today. He's the only means to salvation. He loves you. The Father loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you.
on the cross so that you can be reconciled to him and be a part of his family. He's waiting for you to receive him into your life. Would today, would you just simply say, God, thank you. I realize that you did that for me. So today I turn from living life for myself and I trust you. I want to put you at the helm. Save me. Make me a part of your family. I want to live forever with you. Friends, the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved in Romans 10, 13. If you've done that, that's a promise of God. For the rest of you, maybe you're here, maybe you're already saved. Friends, what is God speaking to you about today? And would you today ask him to forgive you of your affections, to forgive you of making an idol out of whatever is? Would you turn from that and turn back to him today? Lord Jesus, forgive us for the ways in which we have made other stuff in the world an idol in our lives. Lord, forgive us for that. Lord, help us to never let anything take your place in our lives. You are our king. You are our Lord. You are our sustainer. You are our savior. Let us never forget that. Lord, anytime we veer from that, Holy Spirit, we ask you, we beg you, jerk us back into the right place. Get our attention. Keep us, our eyes focused on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.